and welcome back to Master of the Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler. Welcome back, Ben. I might have peaked a little bit, but you're back on the show. I am back indeed. I'm back indeed. It's been, uh, at least for this week, I'll be back. It's been, yeah, it's been a bit of an uphill battle getting some recognizable amounts of health back. I'm doing pretty well overall. I've been back in the office a little bit, venturing out, but as it is in my nature, I want to get back to full speed, full work as fast as I can, and you know, I just am not allowed to. I have to slow it down. So I've been, uh, you know, doing my best to do that. And uh, but I am excited to be talking magic again. I've got to play quite a bit of Crimson Vow. Actually, I played uh, I probably played three sealed events for pre-release weekend and then another I don't know, drafted it. So I know the cards decently well already. So so reviews on the street are that because I have not gone to play limited. I this weekend was busy doing other things. Uh, reviews on the street are bad. Like, it's not a fun limited format. Is that, would you corroborate that or fun so far? It was fine. I enjoyed it enough. There was a lot of predictable stuff that you, you get, like, you know, a lot of the normal stuff that you see in just like the, building a limited environment. You're going to have a lot of redundant sort of creatures and types and effects mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I don't know. Overall, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was too bad. It felt like there was a pretty heavy, like a lean into people playing black, white, and red. That seemed to be very consistent like lots and lots and lots of black and white Mm -hmm. uh i don't know but i enjoyed it enough you know i wasn't it wasn't the most incredible format i'd ever played but i certainly enjoyed myself sure i'm I'm excited to try it out there's like stuff like it looks to me like there might be depth in graveyardy synergies that maybe people don't lean into trying at first or it takes longer to figure out what cards are good and bad which is always a set that i like but on the other hand, apparently it's like very bomb heavy and just like sometimes you'll just grab rares that are just better than what other people are doing. So it's not worthwhile. So. That definitely did happen. I definitely I definitely got bombed out a couple different times. Mm-hmm. Um, You're just like, oh, that's a card you know. I can't beat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This demon that sacrifices another creature to copy itself at the end of every turn. Well, if I don't have a way to kill this. I'm just dead in two turns. Yeah. Sweet. So <laughs> so for those joining for the first time, this is a modern focused podcast. We do other content once in a while. But today is our vow Crimson Vow set review uh, slash going over what cards are probably the best to play in modern. We'll touch upon some other ones for maybe some other formats that we like. But really, it's about kind of focusing on the modern format. Uh, if uh, you're also here for your first time, hit that subscribe button. We have awesome guests Please here do. regularly. Uh, we had Nikachu on last week. You definitely should check out that. We're also all... Last week did a bunch of coverage for uh, Magic Fest Vegas, or not Magic Fest Vegas, but Magic the Gathering Las Vegas. Uh, we did a whole co- coverage thing with Corbin Hostler. Uh, so if you look at that, there's there's deck techs and and interviews and content on our, also on our Twitter at, at the MMCast. So make sure to check all of that stuff out. It was really cool being there uh speaking from the past before i've actually gone there and we uh, i'm I'm assuming all (laughs) the content that we were able to get was really cool so make sure to check that out it was excellent it was phenomenal content yep and uh also right before that we did a new we're doing a new show on sundays we did our first pilot we'll probably start that up more in december uh, but wanted to get like a troubleshoot out version of it out the door so it was me and ben playing modern so check that out as well and last but not least, this episode is brought to you by TCG Player uh, affiliate codes down below and patrons, uh, the people that just make this podcast happen. So definitely check out patron.com uh, slash the MMCast. You get early access to the episodes. They come out a full week early. Uh, we record them Wednesday. Well, they record them Wednesday. They release on Patreon Thursday, and then the episodes come out on Tuesday. And then for everyone that is a normal listener, these are now coming out every Tuesday. It's a new thing we are doing. Uh, so we've moved this to Tuesdays because we wanted to give Monday a little bit more room to breathe when we come up with stream content and lets it so that we realized that we we're releasing like eight pieces of content all at once on Monday and spread it out. Podcast episodes are now Tuesday morning releases. So make sure stay tuned every Tuesday. This is when the podcast is showing up. 
Vow. So Crimson Vow. It's a medium. I'm going to start out right just out the gates here with a uh, a real medium powered punch to the jaw with this opinion. Really, real medium powered hot take, a, a lukewarm take. Uh, this set is those are all setups. Uh, this set is just very medium in power. There's just it's most of the mechanics are. It's not even that they're not cool or that the effects the cards are creating aren't cool because they actually are. And I think that some of the stuff that they're doing is particularly like, I think it gets lost a little in the redundancy of what some of these cards are doing. So I actually think there will be a few standouts that we're going to notice as we talk through where it's like, oh, like this similar cycle in this mythic, like this is clearly the good one, but they all feel similarly powered because of this effect. And I think we're going to see some of that. So I expect to see that. I think some of the commons and uncommons are actually more powerful than the rares in some cases. Um, so I think that those are going to be standouts as well, but it does feel like they've leaned back into a, a more like moderately powered standard set. It's the first one of these in a little while that has really felt this way. Yeah, it, it, there's definitely, well, one thing that like, it, I, I feel, I feel that this is, you know, two years away from uh throne of Eldrain, right? So the, for people who don't know, uh, the design schedule for a magic set is about two years. And it's a little bit longer than when you talk like putting the plan into motion on what it's going to be, but like really design product development and then, and then, and then tuning all happens and then art and all that stuff happens in about two year period. And this, I like, I feel the fact that throne of Eldraine came out and food was so blatantly pushed and blood tokens seem so blatantly under pushed <laughs> and like, it has a lot of that um, kind of like worrisomeness to me. The other thing that it feels like to me is that really Throne of Eldraine, it's the return to blocks and it has kind of a weird block problem that old blocks had, which I didn't expect it to, which was like blood tokens feel like they work so much better with the mechanics from Midnight Hunt where like flashback and disturb got you a creature into play uh, were both key pizza parts of the mechanic versus decayed, which almost feels more important here where it's much more about grinding on the board. And so it just, it like, there's like a weird disconnect. I'm actually like, people have like a lot of complaints about um, the new, the new set, the new midnight or the, the, the double feature in a straw double feature, which I don't know if you've seen anything on this, but basically I've seen people asking the cost of it. That's what I saw people talking about. The, the, the... So, so basically it's, it's pretty much entirely just these two sets combined, but all of the cards have a similar frame to the basic lands, the special lands from this set. So they yeah, have like right. the black and white kind of effect. So I'm assuming, uh, Ricker Marshall are putting those on screen, showing some of the examples of what they have from what this set looks like, which some people don't like. I actually really like it. I get their problem that like it's hard to read and know what the difference between cards in and the less signifiers you have, the harder it becomes. That's, I guess, a problem for sure. Um, I'm really it's like the version of this I'm most excited by. I think these sets are going to play really magically together where them separate almost feel lacking. And and I, I'm, that's kind of the thing I'm most looking forward to from a limited perspective. And then from a power level perspective, yeah, I think commons and uncommons are really the place where a lot of these cards are going to shine. Uh, though though I, I do think there's a lot of cards in this set that might surprise the world in like how they're like a little weird. Like all of the the mythic cycle that like this enters the battlefield, exile a card. Yeah, and then, and that's those 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 are the ones I was talking about where I was saying like one of these is gonna probably stand out because they're a little 
they're just a little hard to read through and imagine the way they're going to play as you read them. I can like, I know what they do. Like I, I understand cards like that, but as I read it and try to imagine the cost, the stats, how that's going to play in the game, what's the likelihood, the different card types, like what do I want to exile? All that stuff, it's difficult to sort of just visualize, but it's one of those things where sometimes those types of cards miss you. And then the one that stands out that becomes like the most played creature in modern all of a sudden. And you're like, oh, that was really good. And I just couldn't quite comprehend it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. And like this sets even blood tokens like like I'm actually pretty high on blood tokens, even even as like under push as they feel compared to food where I think they thought blood tokens were good and then under push them where like they thought food was bad and so over pushed them. Um, but I think like it's still a pretty devalued format. We're already seeing some of the cards see play in modern. Uh, there's like cool artifact decks that are taking advantage of, of one of the cards we'll talk about. Um, so, so I think, I think there is like putting artifact bodies into play efficiently. And then those artifacts being good, be it, they're just guaranteed cycling. They have discard matters effects. They can be um, used for graveyard strategies or reanimator, but have other serviceable tools is like something to pay attention to. Uh, so we'll get into that as well. But yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. So before we get started, I do have one 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 thing that uh, we we've made a challenge. I have to challenge all of our listeners and and you, Mr. Mr. Bateman. Uh, so this is the thing we do every week. It's uh, the Natchez of Modern Trivia Show. And I am going to ask y'all in the audience and Mr. Ben here uh, a trivia question. And you all have to answer it. And the way you're going to answer is you're going to put a comment below with your answer. Now, if you get it wrong which sometimes happens last week. Uh, more people got it wrong than right. Uh, you have to hit that like button and that subscribe button. That's the bet you're making. You're betting likes and subscribes. All, all, you're all I'll in. make that bet. And uh, if you get it right, uh, you have to, you just get to brag about it. You don't have to hit like and subscribe. We'll appreciate it. You don't have to hit that. Uh, ben will have to hit like and subscribe though. So, so if you get it, I will. If you get it I'll right, do it. He'll hit, I'm committed. He'll hit that like button for every, he has a lot of different YouTube accounts, so he'll, he'll have to go through all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ben, how many in magic total, and remember him and Haw a little bit, give people time to answer. How many in magic total creatures have been printed with trample and death touch? Oh, I, by one point I knew this. I will give you, I will give you. A uh, a small a small clue. There is one creature. No, I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give you a small clue. That was my clue. And to confirm, it has to have both abilities inherently. It can't like it can't be like Gain original them. Odric who gains them if you have both creatures in play. Well, yeah. So death touch and trample. At one point, I knew this because I learned it because I answered it wrong once. I think, and it was you asking it. I think. Uh, and I think when I answered last time, I said zero because I thought it was a trick question, and that's wrong. So I think that it's this is that thing that happens in my brain sometimes, or it's going to be zero. It's either going to be zero or this number I guess right now is my guess. That's what I think. Uh, one of those two options. <laughs> I think it's either. I'm going to say it's one. Uh, it, it 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 is zero. Oh, yeah. son of so, a gun. So, I was right. So the copy, which I thought maybe gave it away too much, is uh, that Crystalline Giant was printed since we made this trivia question, which is the three mana artifact for Mycoria that at the beginning of combat, you choose a kind of counter at random uh, right. between a bunch of them that does include Death Touch and Trample, uh, and it gets those counters. So you can, after two combats, get lucky and have Death Touch and Trample. 
uh, as its first two abilities off a crystalline giant, but that's it gaining it through an ability. It's not printed standard with it. So there are zero cards. So the reason uh, people don't know is trample and death touch uh, interact with each other very wonkily. You, you like, you only have to do one damage to each creature and then it tramples over. But the rules of that are pretty esoteric, especially for new players, but they don't like printing them on the same card. And it's also just very powerful. Um, and so uh, that doesn't get printed ever or has not yet been printed. It's there's going to be a mythic. It'll be like first strike and death touch, right? They're like first strike and death touch wasn't on a card until like Glissa got it. And then and then it was like that was like why she was so good. It was partially she just like death touch like works really weird with combat mechanics. Um, All right. So if you got it right, if you hit that zero button in the comments, congratulations, you don't have to do anything. You can, but you don't have to. But if you put any number but zero, hit that like and subscribe button because we, you know, you want to hear more content like this. There's at least one trivia question every week. That's the bare minimum promise. All right, let's talk this set. First card. We're going in whatever order that this app makes it happen. Cobbled Lancer. It's a blue for a three three. Uh, as an additional cost to cast this spell, exile a creature card from your graveyard. So it's and one mana three three with that three. effect. And then for a three to blue, well, you can exile it to draw a card from your graveyard. It is a zombie horse. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple different reasons that I think that this card is decent. Um, obviously, anytime a creature has the added value of living in your graveyard with draw a card for, like, just, you know, you can do that later in the game. Like, it's pretty good, just extra value later on. Though the world in which you have a three three on turn one uh it that world exists it's not the like most legit world it's like there's a deck that's gonna play you know hanger back walker or like walking ballista or something like that that's gonna like play that on turn one and exile it from the graveyard with this but if you're exiling it from your so i mean it's it's one of those things you don't really want to be down a card to get a three three on turn one that's just that's not the format we're in anymore you can just play nakatl and just get a three three on turn one if you want to sure you you could just dragons rage channeler like there's just a million of them that kind of function that way yeah i think i think this has three key features to me that make it interesting one is it's actually it's creature type there aren't many one mana three three zombies that you can get in the play right and so like this being a four four on turn three like if you on turn one play something that lets you put a card you know a zombie into your graveyard or somehow like something happens there turn two you play this exiling that and something else. And then turn three, you play a zombie Lord. Now you're talking about having like a five, five for one that you played on turn two. Right. So there, there is things that this works well with it also, like, as you mentioned, the fact that the, the, the ability, the draw card is at an instant speed too, is interesting to me. Like, right. It's not a lot of times there's like this heck can only be done as a sorcery writers that make this kind of lame. But the fact that you could just like, have counter magic open let them go and then use this is like an interesting feature um and what was that card called a uh, corpse two picker things. i don't know was that was that what was that uh corpse picker right it's like and it's the uh it's the four mana black flyer that you could uh it costs three less of a creature has died this turn is that what it was called you, you know what card i'm talking about no that sounds that, that sounds yeah. like a card I'm going to look up one more word on here and say, if not, we'll just, yeah, bone picker. That's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. It's black three, the black three, 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 two, uh, flying death touch bird. This mm. spell costs three less to cast yep. this turn of a creature has died this turn. So if you play four of this and four of those and you play the ballista plan, I'm talking about, 
you're going to have a 3-3 on turn one most of the time, provided you have an artifact creature. And Ballista, or you can play the Stone Quail Serpent, sure. or any of those creatures, those things. And then if you're playing any kind of like Delirium-style deck, you benefit from those going into your graveyard because you get creature and artifacts. So like the deck sets up pretty nicely that way. Mm-hmm. I could see this, like as I talk it out, this sounds like the makings of the beginnings of something kind of fun. I mean, a 3-2 flyer on turn one like- is solid. That seems like a pioneer deck at best. But yeah, I, like I do think this card misses it, but it, it, it definitely has a lot of features that are really interesting. I think that's a cool deck idea. There's like a lot of things that work together. Next card, Concealing Curtains, Black, zero four Defender, two Black, Transform Concealing Curtains, activate only as a sorcery. So it's a one mana, zero four Defender Wall that you flip and it becomes a three four Menace uh, that lets you thoughts use your opponent. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's it's one black for a wall zero four defender that you can pay two and a black at sorcery speed to flip it, and you get to thought seize your opponent for a non land. Uh, they then draw. Oh, you get to um, they discard it. They don't put it on the bottom, but you get they you get to have them discard a card and then they draw a card. Okay, got it. And what's it flip into? Uh, a, a three four menace eye horror. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, so for four mana, you get a three four menace that um does the uh, uh the vendillion click effect to your opponent right they they discard a card and then get to draw a random card that's worse than the best card that you were able to pick from their hand or you get a zero four for one that can block ragaban all day true yeah that's particularly relevant that then format. late yeah, game little, is relevant yeah it's a little expensive and the fact that they get another card out of it is a little concerning but i mean i think there's there's something cool here yeah i think it's i think it's a black version of vendillion click that has a potential scene play I, it's honestly if i were to make a top 10 it's on my top 10 just because like being a one mana th- card that can block ragavan and turn off the value engine there but then can also thought seize your opponent or be valuable late game and then give them a random card seems valuable in today's day and age and it's not a bad top deck like right like worst case scenario you have a three four menace for four in the same way yeah. like sometimes you just cast street wraith uh Voldaren epicure red creature vampire uh one one when it enters the battlefield it deals one damage to each opponent and create a blood token um so uh this is a Theoretically, it's a two mana version that gets you a one one out of it of a um, what's it called? The Vampire with Menace. Blood Craze and Unite. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right, because yes, yes. you get you, you get to keep the vampire, but it costs an extra mana to do the looting effect. That is definitely worse. But in a vampire deck that's trying to do more of a madness angle, being able to keep your one one vampire that then gets buffed by your vampire lords and then using that blood token to be a discard outlet. Like the, the one thing one thing like that I will say about this set for modern is that vampires and zombies and and to 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 be honest spirits werewolves and humans are all different levels of close to being modern decks uh zombies and and vampires were the two that are have the largest gap because spirits already is a deck right like the, some cards so make humans. it best humans is obviously a deck uh werewolves i don't think is anywhere close even now of becoming a deck but um i do think vampires and zombies especially have gotten a lot of different small tools that i could imagine coming together to create a deck the exploit deck that that has come out of this set a lot of those cards are really good in zombie shells this card specifically offers a lot of benefits to the like really good madness vampire cards or blood guests right so like being able to one mana play valderan epicure on turn two play one of the other vampire like one drops which there are a lot of powerful ones including one that gives every vampire madness and then using the blood token to discard 
either another one drop or a bloodgast seems this also plays well this card also plays well with any any uh bloodthirst or spectacle strategies um which you know in red like those are definitely things that you want to pay attention to there are some some aggressive there are definitely some aggressive red cards that are you can take advantage of with bloodthirst and then spectacle i mean those cards the two good red spectacle cards have both seen a significant amount of modern play we we definitely see light up the stage and uh the, the lightning bolt that i can't think of the name of right now but um you know in a red deck that wants to take advantage of more of them i can see this card being played yeah for sure like, 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 yeah, this, this, like, this is what I kind of said at the beginning. There's a lot of grindiness in the power level of cards in this set that pushes all, some of them maybe just above the top, but like, it's hard to see what that looks like. Yeah. Next up, we've got Cemetery Gatekeeper. So Vampire, red, one for a 2-1 first strike. When Cemetery Gatekeeper enters the battlefield, exile a card from a graveyard. This is part of the cycle we mentioned. Whenever a player plays a land or casts a spell, if it shares a card type with the exiled card, Cemetery Gatekeeper deals two damage to that player. Now notice, it doesn't say whenever an opponent says whenever a player. So this is not a red hate bear per se, because it also affects you. Uh, sometimes they do, but sometimes in the past the red cards have only affected your opponent. This is parallel, so if you do exile a land card from this because you want to keep a low curve, every time you play a land, you're going to get shocked for two. Uh, but it is a 2-1 first strike, so it comes down and attacks pretty aggressively. This is the most expensive of the cards in this cycle right now, I believe. It's the one that people believe has the, the highest likelihood of being good. I think it's probably because of the thing I just said, which is that if you exile a land with this fairly early... It makes every fetch land deck, I'm going to shock you for two. And if you're playing it in like a mono red deck, you're going to just play every, basics. Every fetch land is four. Sorry, sorry. That's what I mean. Two per land. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's every four fetch land damage. is a shock for That's four. That's so much. Like if you play this yeah. and you exile land and you're a deck that doesn't need to fetch or isn't playing fetch lands, you are uh, ahead. <laughs> and a 2-1 first strike is not a body to like laugh at. And that's, you know, and that you don't have to do land. If it's a matchup where you would rather do instants and sorceries because you're playing against control or planes like you know and, and yeah so there's there's a bunch of different options here that i think are really good this card's sweet i really imagine like this card. imagine playing this card alongside gritting imagine playing this alongside grinning ignis you remember that card yes red one for a two one elemental whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control if that player had another land enter the battlefield under his or her control this turn it deals three damage to that player so you play four ignis and four of this card with four path to exile and just like <laughs> you just wreck them so hard, just like every time. Yep, yep. They like, ghost quarter. Like you basically are playing like uh, a damage version of the ghost quarter path. Uh, yeah. Uh, even mind sensor. Arbiter. Decks. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Leon and Arbiter yep, deck. Yep, you're yep. like, I guess you'd have to pick which side. Do you want them to get lands and take damage, or do you want them to never be so, able to get lands? I actually think that like this is not a crazy angle, right? Like the like. Lena Arbiter locks them out of the game, but it doesn't kill them. So you still have to kill them. This kills them. The easiest way yeah. to stop people from doing stuff is to kill them. <laughs> and this yeah. might do it. I think this is... I don't think that's not a deck. I think that's a cool idea. Um, yeah. Next card... Reading Ignis. You heard it here, Herx. Next card is definitely a more of a sideboard card, but Donhart Geist, one in a white for a 1-3 Spirit Warlock. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain two life. There are already enchant enchantment decks. Those enchantment decks... Uh, like having ways to survive for longer and a 1-3 for 1 that gains them 2 life every time they cast a spell in their deck seems pretty legit for them. Uh, That's kind of the main home it is. Maybe a sideboard card, but it's definitely a good option for enchant decks, enchantment decks. Um, Yeah. 
It's well cost, yeah. That's that's what I'd say about it. I just I know from having played against Enchantress in multiple formats, when they get going, it gets pretty out of hand pretty fast, and and this is a nice way. Also that blocks uh also that blocks Ragavans pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a spirit. Yeah, there's a few different things going for it here. You could lean into a couple of different versions, but yeah, interesting. Uh Dorothea Vengeful Victim, white, blue, legendary creature spirit, four four flying. So it's a flying four four for two. Uh, when it attacks or blocks, sacrifice it at the end of the combat, though. So you, it's a uh, so you you get one attack or block out of your two mana four four. That's still a hefty creature and a lot of damage for that. But then it has disturb, uh, and then you can turn target creature into a guy's the sand trap. So whenever this creature, it's an enchantment aura. You attach it to a creature. Whenever this uh, creature attacks or creates, uh, whenever this creature attacks, create a four four white spirit creature token with flying that's tapped and attacking. Sacrifice the token at the end of combat. So it's a weird lightning elemental, right? Four mana for four, four, four that dies at the end of turn. But you get the whole, like you play it and it sits there until it's relevant. So it could just be a big wall in the way of your opponent being able to get through a semi removal spell that then you can attack for four and then it draws you a cool enchantment that makes angels. Why aren't you just playing this in the Geist of Saint Traft deck though? That's what I want to know. I, mean, I, I just want to. Yeah. I just want to cast this on turn two, attack with it, get my get my four damage, and then play my Geist. And then before I attack on turn four with my Geist, turn my Geist into a double Geist, and my Geist now attacks for eight in the air. I am sad that this isn't just Geist of Saint Traft. Yeah, from a fair. it's a legendary <laughs> creature. Why is this some random other ghost? Why can't this just be Geist? It's doing the Geist thing. You're saying why can't it be named like Geist, uh, some other name like Geist this and that? Yeah, Geist two, Geist yeah, Knight of yeah, the Knight of the Disturbed or something. I don't know. Just they do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun card. I mean, I've always believed pretty wholeheartedly in the like hexproof angle. You know, we obviously get the hexproof decks, the the all in hexproof decks, mm-hmm. like the Boggles decks, and we also get Infect. So we kind of cover those bases already in modern when they get good. But I've still always believed in the like invisible stalker. Uh, whatever the green one one can't be blocked yeah. by anything so that that oh, deck yeah. with like swords and equipment this is actually kind of really cool in that deck because you get the plate on turn two and then it just blocks ragavan it blocks dragon rage channeler it's a removal spell for those creatures it then dies fine but they like are going to be resistant to attacking anyways with it in play and then if you play like if you put this on a um invisible stalker Savant ledge walker or yeah, or a Savant ledge walker you they it's a untargetable flying hexproof for yeah five, five it's really for two it's gonna do three. a lot of damage real fast yeah 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 i've always i've always believed there was something to those decks it's just the further we've gotten from cmc being low enough to actually do stuff like that the harder it's gotten to believe but you know i've always i've always wanted to do something mm-hmm. um so, well yeah. and that that's one thing i did want to say the disturb mechanic in this set of like put ours on the thing is another super grindy hard to evaluate mechanic right like it's bad on paper. So how do I evaluate these cards when a lot of them are just flashback, like cards that are great with flashback in, in your graveyard, like the the cat that's really cute that gives a creature cure. In, there's now curiosity that's flashback. <laughs> that card's kind of probably good. There's I want to talk. I want to talk about yeah, that. We have that's that coming up in a second. We ha- there's 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 one that gives plus one plus one and flying for three. There's yeah. one that gives double yeah. strike for three. Like these are abilities that are strong that wouldn't be playable if they were just an R in your hand, but because you can mill them, you can discard them, or they could just be on this creature that's decent that dies and you get to play back. 
they might be playable. We can't talk about all of them, but that's that's what I'm saying when this says like super grindy and hard to evaluate. Next card is Graph Reaver, one in a black, three three zombie warrior. Exploit uh, when you exploit a creature when Graph Reaver exploits a creature, destroy target planeswalker at the beginning of your upkeep. Uh, Graph Reaver deals one damage to you, so you either have a destroy target planeswalker for two. Um, that also triggers a creature dying and it puts a creature in your graveyard, etc. Um, or you have a zombie that enters play after you sacrifice a token or whatever to create a 3-3 three, three for 2. I think you also just said it a second ago, but like, I mean, yeah, two two mana to destroy a Planeswalker is a, an effect that is played in modern frequently. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something people are happy to do. It doesn't... This can just sacrifice itself and destroy a Planeswalker, right? So... Right. Well, and, and you don't you don't have to exploit. This could just be a two mana three three, right? Yeah, you can on true. on curve if they don't have a planeswalker. You just get a on rate three three for two in the zombie deck with the right creature types. That then, if they have a planeswalker, is an insane card because it's a two mana three three. It's a two mana kill a target planeswalker. And if you have a creature you don't care about, it's you know it levels up from there. It's a th- two mana three three that kills a planeswalker and sacrifices a decayed zombie token or whatever. <laughs> so like. No, I think this card's dope. Uh, yeah, definitely on my list. The best cards. That... Now you asked. We wanted to talk about it. Mischievous Cat Geist. One blue for a one-one cat spirit. When it cat when Mischievous Cat Geist deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. It has Disturb two blue. Uh, enchanted creature. It's an aura. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. I think this card's really good. This card's really good, and I played this card. I played this card in limited a whole bunch. Um, I played this in like two different decks, and I was surprised by just like, you know, granted, limited's a little different. Obviously, this is not on. This doesn't. This doesn't line up in terms of its actual mana cost with modern decks. But what's interesting about this card is, so if they have a way to not kill this or like not lose something, that's fine. But often it's going to cost them a piece of removal. Now pieces of removal that burn it out and exile it are going to make this card seem really bad. But like a lot of the stuff doesn't do that, right? A lot of the pieces of removal are going to be lightning bolt or they're going to be uh, fatal push, or they're going to be something that is just going to destroy this card. And you're probably playing this in a deck where the back half is strong. If you play it and get in once it's replaced itself, it's done its job. You're fine, right? You don't care. So the fact that this card, like, you have to, they have to deal with it in a very specific way or have the right kind of blocker because killing this is actually not that sweet for them because probably this is in your deck to put on some hexproof unblockable thing or some flying thing that's going to get way better now that you've got, like, now that you've got this out there. Right. Well, like, like this card in, in Boggles, like, this is a card that makes me want to add blue to Boggles because, like, on the front side, you have another creature that's just good to put a bunch of R's on because they either block it they have to it just it, it continues the process of them having to um like create the abyss right like this thing is going to draw them a card and do infinite damage because it's now a five five right so like that that on its own is good and then on, obviously in the back end the fact that it's a creature that draws you into an enchantment that trigger all your other stuff is really good as well uh, uh how many i don't we don't i can't think of a two mana card that does this like four rate, isn't this the best card? Of, isn't this the best Ovidian ever printed? Uh, just like a two mana card that just like it just draws you a card when it hits. Yeah, I don't think that exists. Like, please uh, in the comments just... below, comment the card that I'm not thinking of. But I believe that every version of this card that has been printed has been printed at three mana or or other. 
I think there's one. Because like looter, uh, there is... there's a lot of looters, right? There's a lot of cards no, that do damage and there's loot. Vidalcan, there's Vidalcan Heretic, which is green-blue for a 1-1 one, one that does this. Okay. Back from like so gold Conflux, cards. I think. Sure. Yeah, Conflux had one. And I think there's a blue-blue version or something. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure like this exists. But yeah, there's not a lot of them, especially and definitely not an uncommon and not with upside. Yeah, th- this card, this card seems nuts, actually, like a, like for a rate, like the fact that we're at a point in magic where this card is not being talked about is like an insane card. Like if was at one point the best creature in magic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this, I mean, it's still a sweet card. I still I'll still draft it in cube any day of the week. And this card is better than a I think just in every way. So, yeah, this this card's nuts. Uh, all, all about it. Cemetery Prowler, one green green vigilance wolf three four. Whenever it enters a battlefield or attacks, exile a card from a graveyard. What's cool is it enters the battlefield or attacks. Exile card from graveyard. Spells you cast cost one less to cast for each card type they share with cards exiled with Cemetery Prowler. Uh, so basically what's powerful about this card, uh, other than the fact that it's like decent continuous graveyard hate, it's the right cost. Three mana, four, three, four. Vigilance is good too because it is also defensive and it does offer some amount of ramp. I think this is just outside of playable for modern. I think it's like a little too expensive. If this was a two mana, two, two, one that did all the exact same things, I'd be probably more into it. Um, but I... The problem with cost reducers in modern, the issue with cost reducers in modern is that unless they cost one or do some really clever way of doing it, if they cost rate like they usually do like this or like a card like Cloud Key or something you'd play that is just like, you know, three mana and like makes your deck faster, things you're playing in modern traditionally are going to cost only colored mana. Like sometimes they'll cost like one and one, but like usually you're not going to be playing a lot of like one and two things where like it costing two is going to save the day because you have to assume you're not going to have this card active so then you have to be able to play those cards for the non-cost production which means you have to be comfortable at those rates so that's where cards like this get sticky because i do think this card's cool it can trigger multiple card types you can exile a creature and a sorcery and an artifact and all those things get cheaper but it still requires you to get to three mana take for instance let's say we're like okay we'll all play a mana creature so this will come down on turn two well, your mana creatures aren't going to get any cheaper with this card. So now, like, you, right? So it's like you have to play this careful balance with cost reducers. I've always noticed this is the case. I think this is why anytime I've ever tried to build a cost reducer deck, I like to do it with instants and sorceries, and I like to do it with cards with flashback. That's always been my MO, is like the Electromancer Lingering Souls deck I always tried sure. to build. Yep. Where you could play, like, you could play, like, Electromancer on turn two, turn three, souls, flashback souls. Um, I always thought that was like really clever and mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really hard to get away with cost reducers otherwise. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I, my my just like there are better two drop versions of it that guarantee you the card type you want to give cost reduction to. And a lot of them, the only ones that see player Electromancer and Baral. Totally. Like, yeah. Um, next. next up, we got Aerith, Tormented Prophet, Red, Blue, One, Two, Four. Human Wizard, Legendary Creature. If you would draw a card, exile the top two cards of your library. Instead, you may play those cards this turn. This is an interesting card. It's, uh... I feel like this card probably, more than anything, is a Storm card, right? Yes. Well, like, uh... For sure. Like, having this in play with Storm... And you're storming off. Now, every card draws you two cards. Every time you would draw a card, you draw two cards instead. You have to cast it that turn, but Storm is trying to win that turn. Yeah. is a pretty amazing card advantage engine. I don't know if it's quite good enough. It is a 2-4 for 3, which is like a pretty thick body to get in the way of stuff while you're trying to set up. And it is a must kill, which like 
and it doesn't and it doesn't die to bolt. And it doesn't die to bolt. So like those are it all die, it, nice things. It is going to die to unholy heat, which is most of like what people are playing these days anyway. But um, you know, but it, I, I mean, this card's cool. I think I think this card for rate and its colors is ripe to make like is it decks fun mm-hmm. at the very least. You know, I think that there's I think there's probably a deck. Uh, it's hard to imagine totally really like at three mana that this would be in just like some wizard control deck where it would like really go that nuts. Sure. Cause like those decks want to be casting things at instant speed. So this does just really to me feel like a storm card, but the, the and again, problem there is the storm decks want to be playing like brawl on turn two. They want, that's what they want. They don't want, they don't want a three drop that they have to play and untap with necessarily. Right. They want to untap. Um, well. Playing Brawl on turn two and then this on turn three gives you two creatures that, like, when you untap on turn four, you win. Yeah. If they don't interact. And if they interact, you're, like, buying yourself time because they're using your mana to interact with your one, you know, your whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's close. I don't think it's quite there, but I think it, it. I wouldn't be surprised seeing it. All right. Here's another card that is one of my picks for, like, one of the best cards in the set. And that is Felstinger. Two black oh. for a 3-2 zombie scorpion Death Touch Exploit. When Felstinger exploits a creature, target player draws two cards and loses two life. So, Maldrifter is a card. Maldrifter is a card that is seeing mm-hmm. modern play. Uh, part of that is because it is an elemental. Uh, so it triggers all the elemental things while getting that effect with its evoke cost. But three mana is a l- three mana to get your Death Toucher, and you get to just hold on to it if you want. If you need to block something, you can sack it to draw two cards, or you can do shenanigans like you know sun tightening it back or using other effects that get it back like an unearth ability so being able to unearth this and draw two cards off of it is helpful as well like it's just like a bunch of different things that are versatile and it's a zombie right like the the reason that mall drifter is finally seeing play is there's finally an elemental deck and it ends up that there could be a zombie deck and i think this card is ripe to do a lot of things that deck wants to do sacrifice creatures uh grind out for value be a body like a three-two death toucher that's hard to interact with. Um, and I'm definitely more yeah. interested in this in a scorpion deck, but I do understand what you're going. Oh for. yeah, scorpion god. There is a scorpion commander that does exist. Uh, Geralt, visionary, <laughs> Stitcher, Tuna Blue, one four human wizard, legendary creature. Zombies you control have flying. Blue tap sacrifice another non-token creature, creating an XX blue zombie creature token where X is the sacrifice creature's toughness. That second ability. It's fine. It'll protect your zombie that dies if you get to untap with him, whatever. The more important one is giving all of your weirdly overcosted three threes for ones and three threes for twos and four fours for twos, etc. Yeah. Flying <laughs> for three mana. I mean, yeah, zombies don't normally get to fly for obvious reasons. They're like day walkers. <laughs> they don't fly. <laughs> That's how zombies are supposed to work classically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... They usually attack and don't block. They usually enter tapped. The idea that zombies are going to fly now is pretty pretty solid with this card. Um, I definitely agree. It's not a zombie itself, and it's legendary, so it has a couple things going against it there in terms of being like a zombie lord tribal deck. You know, you can't play more than a couple. I think it doesn't think get you, plussed up. I think you play one though. I think if you're in blue and you're a zombie deck, playing one of these is a little bit of a free roll. And like, because its second ability also creates zombies, right? You can sacrifice decay tokens or other stuff to make a no, bigger. You, you can't. You can't sacrifice oh, tokens, non-tokens. So it okay. But it can. But at instant speed, it can save. Yeah. It can save your diagraph captain, or it can save your new, you know, your new uh, zombie lord from this set. 
So yeah, there is that. So it, it, it can it can turn the things that we're gonna die anyways into creatures. It makes combat blocking really difficult. It is a good blocker. I like almost want to like try and brew a bug collected company zombie deck. Sounds fun to me. Like because zombies are so over like the value on all of them is really high, but they're kind of clunky. But collected company loves getting like random good three drops into play. All right, all right. Next, we talk about my boy, Odric Bloodcursed. One red, white, legendary creature, vampire soldier, 3 3. When Odric Bloodcursed enters the battlefield, create X blood tokens, where X is the number of abilities from among flyers, first strike, double, strike, death, touch, hate, hex, root, indestructible, lifelink, menace, reach, trample, and vigilance found among creatures you control. Annoyingly, does not count defender nor flash, is what I'm finding. <laughs> but, um. And doesn't have any of his own abilities. So he has none of his own abilities, but uh, I've already gotten a bunch of people sending me. So I was like very early on on Twitter being like, this card is dope. People were really down on it, and I was like, no, no, no. And I'm in for our. Uh, Crimson Val Commander stream. I am building a Odric deck. I have the cards right here. You can see them uh, ready to go. Uh, I have to cut like 10 cards still. But um, for modern, let's we don't have to talk about Commander where like it's a lot easier just to have that in your hand every turn. Uh, I've already been sent a lot of what he's seeing play in, which is affinity lists. And the fact that a lot of affinities free roll creatures like Ornithopter and Bromat Courier and uh, already have flying and haste and other abilities that he pays attention to. And he comes into play and creates just, if he creates two blood tokens, that's good, a good rate, right? You get a three, three plus two additional artifacts for all the things you need. If he creates three, you're like above rate for what you're normally getting, getting three artifacts into play in like old new affinity lists, allowing you to get all these new affinity creatures into play for free. So he comes in with a lot of artifacts and then help solve some of the problems affinity decks have where it's a obviously you get tokens you can sacrifice to to um arcbound ravagers all day long but it also gives all of your like lands that you don't need after turn two in affinity cycling it gives all of your like random z one like if you draw like a, a memnite like and you're at a point where like a zero one for one is or a zero mana one one is bad just cycle it use the blood tokens to get rid of it. It curves out your draws in the deck so much more than it used to get. And you get Odric. There's other blood cards. So we'll talk about once we get to enchantments or artifacts, uh, other blood cards that are seeing play in affinity already uh, as well. Um, Cause I think just that's where the first home to look at is, but Odric has potential there for sure. Not to mention in reanimator strategies and other places. Yeah. I think so too. I think it's interesting. I, I think the thing you're talking about with affinity is cool. I do think it's, I mean, like a three mana creature in an affinity deck is a little jank, unless you're talking like Etch Champion is like the classic at that slot. And like it's obviously there to, to win the game on its own, not to give you some reach. Uh, and also in those affinity decks, like what are the abilities we're talking? Bowmat Couriers and, and flying off of Ornithopters? Haste, flying, first strike, uh, and vigilance, I think. Are the, isn't there a flyer with vigilance? Uh, I forget what the last one uh, is. I don't know if there's a fly. I don't know if they still play Vault Scourges, but I mean, flying. Vault Scourge doesn't have flying. It has can only be blocked by flyers. Not no, it does. You're thinking of oh oh oh. oh I'm thinking of um signal pass. Signal pass. Yeah, yeah. Vault Scourge has lifelink. That that would like I, you would play with Vault Scourge. You'd have to start playing with it. You'd bring that in. Like yeah. you'd change your yeah. deck to make this work. But there are cards out there that fit with that uh, that that are good enough. There's uh you also could play with um ginger brutes, which are also really good. 
Yeah, I mean, this comes down. I mean, if this comes down and makes you, like you said, three or four artifacts with like a Ravager, that could be like the difference of just game over right there. Right, exactly. And 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 if it's not game over, it's at least going to make every card you draw better. Um, I'm going to skip that one. Savior of Allenbach, one white white for a one two human shoulder with training. Whenever this creature attacks with another creature with greater power, put a plus one plus one counter on that creature. When... Ever it trains, exile up to one other target creature from the battlefield or a creature card from a graveyard. When it leaves the battlefield, put the exiled cards onto the battlefield under their zone's control. So this A can reanimate stuff out of your graveyard and B can O-ring stuff out of your opponent's board. But you have to attack with it, which makes it probably miss playability. Yeah, because it's just because it comes down as a 1-2. So to make this thing bigger, you have to be attacking with something bigger for it to get past a 1-2. Well, that's like, easy. That yeah, but it's a three drop. So like that. Well, yeah, it, it's just a three drop that has to attack to do anything. And then what it does is just kind of be a mediocre removal spell, I think is more. Yeah, I don't think this card's I, good. I don't think I, I think will. This card's fun. I don't think I will ever attack with this thing without having it like. Any deck that yeah. is playing this will have something with two power in the deck, right? I just I just think it's fun, but I think it costs three. So to even do anything with it, it requires you to get to the fourth turn. And it's a pretty dubious attack step anyway with this card. So, yeah, I think it's kind sure. of bad. Um, Next up, we have Welcoming Vampire. This is white two for a two, three flying vampire. Whenever one or more other creatures with power two or less enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. This ability triggers once only each turn. So, um, I mean, look, it's a two, three vampire that flies for three, right? So, it's fine. Decent like, it's It's... A, yeah, it should be a 3-3 three, three to compete with, like, classic Olivia's and stuff like that. Um, but... But this ability is way costs... better than what Olivia is doing. Olivia's like, yeah, when you one attack, or more other pay creatures... one mana, put a plus one, plus one counter on something and discard a card, right? Yeah, both of them are kind of... There's two... There's both of them are kind of medium. Um, power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So, I mean, it has to be two or less. A lot of vampire decks are playing vampires with power two or less. I mean, that's a lot of what's out there. They grow. That's the whole premise behind vampires, such as why this is good. To be honest with you, I'm wondering why this card... I'm kind of wondering why this card didn't just cost two mana and had worse power toughness stats. Because that ability on because... a two mana card would be one of the best. Like white, like, white does not get this ability, right? Like, this is new to white's color pie. It only triggers once each turn, though. Sure. So, like, I mean, imagine you played this card. Let's say this card was a 2-2 flyer for two. I mean, you're, you're describing two, was, Dark Confidant. Let's say it was a 2-1 flyer for two, all right? Mm -hmm. So, 2-1 flyer for two that's a vampire, but it doesn't trigger every turn. Confidant does. You have to have a creature enter the battlefield. So, and it has to be a creature that has the correct power. If you're top decking lands, this card's doing nothing. It does mean you can cast one of these into another one of these, um... But I honestly think probably the move then would have been make this a 3-1 that doesn't fly that has the 2 power trigger. So it can't trigger off other copies of itself. I just think that playing this for 3 and then untapping, like, it, I don't, it's a cool card. It doesn't have lifelink. Like, there's just, it's missing, like, the extra gear that makes this playable to me. That's why, that's why I'm trying to talk my way into it. Like, I just, it's just not quite. I just think if it was a cheaper cost thing, you're going from, oh, this could see play maybe to, oh, this is going to be one of the best white cards ever printed. Could be. Yeah. It's, it just doesn't excite me. It excites you? I think it's cool. I think, like, this ability on a white card is really importantly something added to the format. And, like, it, like we're just talking about vampires, but I think, like, any low to the ground white attacky deck 
wants this effect um honestly like talking about affinity this is another card that like oh this gives a lot of value for that deck when it kind of needs it i don't know it's interesting uh let's get to the next card cemetery Pro- protector two white white human soldier three four flash when it enters the battlefield exile a card from a graveyard whenever you play a land or cast a spell if it shares a card type with the exiled card create a one one white human creature token i mean i think this card is good um i don't think this card is busted it's a little expensive uh, but I do think the fact that it has flash in a control deck is good. Like you can play this end of turn to clear out the flashback spell or whatever you think is coming or in, in response to their reanimation or whatever they're doing. And if you're playing in some sort of a control shell, like this could just be a sideboard card for that control deck that they're bringing in against graveyard decks. They play this at instant speed to remove the target in response. And now, um, if it's not that, and like, you know, if it's a main deck card, then they just like end of turn, remove a fetch land. And, you know, whenever now, now, whenever they get a land into play, they get a creature, which is what control decks want, right? They want to be able mm-hmm. to just get that incremental, that incremental value. I, yeah, I like it. Um, I like it as a cool sideboard card for control decks to play against reanimator decks. Yeah. Or or yeah. for aggro white human decks that want a four drop that has flash to be able to play and then sometimes just get your graveyard opponent because you can flash this in in response to them needing something from their yard and now they don't have it anymore. Uh, well, I think the other place that I see this working is if you wanted to main deck this as a one of and a blue white control to shell, I think it's good enough against the field that it's going to be really important in some matchups. But I also think that if you're like, oh, got it. This comes down in this matchup and does absolutely nothing. I'm just going to exile one of my own fetch lands. And now every time I play a land for the rest of the game, I get a one one. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty good for, for those blue white decks. That's good. That's that's exactly the kind of thing that they want. Right. They block. They stay alive. They build up a little army of attackers, you know? Yeah, I agree. All right, next card is Maniform Hellkite. Two red, red, dragon, four, four, flying. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX red dragon illusion creature token with flying and haste, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. Exile that token at the beginning of your end step. This, importantly, unlike a lot of cards in this set, which have like weird, annoying, only once a turn riders, does not have that rider. So you can play this on turn four, untap with it if you get to, and put like like a ton of power into play just because every sorcery instant you cast gets to put a new creature into play and it's not creature spell too so it does count artifacts planeswalkers enchantments etc it is a four mana four four with flying that that's it you do probably win if you untap with it though probably except that it does say you, you the token is equal to the mana spent to cast the spell so it's so there is the, there is the, the rider there of trying to cheat something into play you're not going to be able to cheat into play a delve oh. spell and get like a five five out of it sure sure i'm thinking more out of like storm as a side like a like play this as a sideboard option against decks when they bring in graveyard hated then against you you bring this in now your graveyard doesn't matter you're like desperate you're, you're like desperate ritual i get a two two and you're like chain it into another one yeah. i get another like, two two desperate ritual chain it into past in flames i get a four four yeah into yeah, a man, get, and a metamorphose into like a yeah like a, like here i play five spells i now have tw- 10 power of flyers in play and this four four dragon swing for 14 or play this in the middle of your storm chain and now all of those cards work with it if like say they don't get the graveyard hate but you just have you can get to the point where you have four extra mana this is a instant speed empty the wardens that you play at the beginning of the chain versus the end yeah that's cool. 
uh, Mirror Hall Mimic, three blue spirit zero zero. When you have, you can have it, it's a clone. You can have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it's spirit in addition to other types. So four mana clone. It has disturb though, that lets you enchant a creature a, uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, create a token that's a copy of the enchanted creature, except it's as a spirit in addition to its other types. Importantly, it is not a creature you mm. control. But you do get yeah, the that token. Is um, not as relevant and modern on that end, but you do get to just like have a weird clone effect out of your graveyard. I think it's probably off power level, but the fact that it is strictly better than clone is interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is I, that that is pretty interesting. That that's where that's where we are now. Is that clone is just like clone at this point. Clone was a rare back in the day. I think you back can, in, in the. I think you could print clone it on common. In like a in a in a course. I was gonna say or like in a I was gonna say I was gonna say, could you print clone a common? No, from a limited perspective. I think clone is a weird card to have it common. I mean well, it's like, hard it's to like, understand. like you don't want to have multiples of them. Like you don't want people having too many of them. I think on common's fine though, for sure. It's like it like you people would have like four clones in their deck, right? Like in that, yeah, I don't think is yeah. a fun, fun play pattern. I think I think you make I think you make a good point. Our next card is Overcharged Amalgam, blue blue two zombie horror flash flying three three. Love these stats. <laughs> Exploit when Overcharged Amalgam exploits a creature, counter target spell, activated ability or triggered ability. Okay, so this card plays into the into the like it's the realm of cost that we've seen over the last five years a handful of times now where blue blue two creatures that counter spells like that it's this is like a rate that we've seen at least one or two other times it's, not there's, often there's a willingness and all the time when it happens that card is good yeah there's a willingness to print this um and because this one doesn't leave you with the creature if you just if you just exploit itself but that's because it also it also targets activated or triggered abilities and if you just get the card by itself it's a three three flyer as opposed to like uh classically the stick snake was a two two and then the one from a couple years ago was a three three uh the blue green one so yeah i mean this card's good the fact that this card in again in a blue control deck in standard this card will get played for sure if this card was to get played in modern and it's just the deck has plenty of cards in hand the control deck and they're just like yeah, I have all the interaction. I'll just cast this as my win condition. It's a 3-3 three, three flyer. I have all the counter spells and removal. I'll just play this and I'll win and I'll win in six turns. Yeah. Like this this card to me yeah. like also for a like if I'm playing a flash blink creature deck, like this and like re into Restoration Angel, like I just like eat two of my opponent's fetch triggers if I'm on the play, so like their turn from they like never can get to four mana ever. Again, some opponents might just be backbreaking. You also just get to like counter other. I mean, effects. You, you you do have to, but you do have to exploit a creature. So if you're going to exploit itself, then you can't rest. No, no, no. So no, you no. have I'm to saying, be playing a deck. Yeah, you have to have creatures, right? Like you have to like you have to have like wall of omens, right? But that's something. the deck with wall of omens. Like this, this with, with wall of omens, this restoration angel, and maybe like uh, flicker wisp or some other like two mana card that I want to blink and get value out of seems pretty dope. Um... And like I would, I I dream of sacrificing Wall of Omens to overcharge the Malgram. Um, next card is Olivia Crimson Bride, four black red legendary creature, vampire noble, three four flying haste. When it, when Olivia Crimson Bride attacks, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped and attacking. It gains when you don't control a legendary vampire. Exile this creature. 
So one of the reasons this card is interesting to me is a Goryo's Vengeance options, but it, it allows you to turn a Goryo's Vengeance into a regular reanimation effect. You don't need to get a legendary. You can get a non-legendary creature with her. So it allows you to get like, especially Grishol brand decks, get like the weird mm. stuff that you normally wouldn't be able to get. It also is like a resilient card that if you just get interacted with and get put to the position you're now at turn six, it's a fine card to cast on its own that like wins you the game when you attack with it, right? It's like a six mana yeah. I win in a deck that has Grizzlebrand in its graveyard. Um, I think the Vengeance plan is pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's pretty clever. Um, yeah, I like this card. I mean, uh, how much is the how much is the uh, blanking right now? What's it for, through the breach? Five mana or four mana? Through the breach is five mana. Five mana, that doesn't do much to save you. Um, well, but it, it does turn your through the breaches. But I guess like the argument is if you're not playing her, you'd be playing a different big creature that through the breach would draw. So it would just always can, be in place. And this of already that. has haste. Yeah. This already has haste. Yeah. So like, yeah, I think your plan is the best. Plan. I, th- I think That's this the best is thing I've heard. kind of your through the breach, right? This is a or, or, or it's competing in that same spot as a more resilient yeah, works with more of the cards you're playing option. Um it's just a little expensive. All right, this card. This card is... I mean, right. Legacy, in, in, in Legacy with, like, any kind of uh, uh, sneak attack deck. Oh, yeah, that's sneak cool, attack too. Reanim- like, sneak attack reanimator. Like, sneak attacking this in. Well, I think at that, like, the argument with there is that you just play... Like, why why is it not just another Eldrazi? Yeah. True. In Modern, you just don't have a lot of ways to do this. So, yeah, it's close. I think I wouldn't be surprised if I see it play. I think there's maybe something cool you could do. I think it might be just too expensive. She's really cool, though. Hallbreaker Horror. Five blue, blue, Kraken Horror. Seven, eight, Flash. This spell can't be countered. Whenever you cast a spell, choose up to one. Return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. The thing I didn't realize when I first read this card, and the world didn't realize, and now it is a $15 card, is, versus before when it was like a $2 card, uh, is that when it enters... It's not when it enters the battlefield, bounce a thing. It's not like big Venser. It's every spell you cast from now on is Venser. Yeah. Yeah, true. It's 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 really, 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 really good. <laughs> I mean, it does cost seven. So like, let's not, you know, let's not pretend it doesn't. But it does. Just because it's good. Like things that cost seven should be good. Yeah, yeah it's, it is. It is a pretty, pretty, pretty backbreaking re- resolution. If you can get it to come down. Like flash, um, flash and encounterable allow that like to me flash kind of removes at least one if not two mana from a spell right like and then like yeah just playing with one of these it's also not a legendary creature so you can persist it and you can unmark to grave it right right you can just put it yeah true just footsteps of the gorio just put this into play on turn three if you want to on two turns stays in per- play persist right? remember like they printed persist oh yeah right persist just exists of the, <laughs> footsteps of the gorio get that out of my life persist yeah like so you just have a six seven this in play on turn two or on turn three like without really yeah. working too hard like it's now one of the best reanimator targets in the format i think yeah, I agree. And that I deck, I and what's cool about that deck is that deck, like Unfaithful Mending or Faithful Mending, is an instant. The blue white. So, card, so you're yeah, now turning great. your like loot card that gains you two life into a counter spell. <laughs> yeah, I missed that on this card. I mean, it'll be if it's fifteen bucks, it'll be one of the rares that people are excited oh, yeah. to open. Every, which, everyone missed it, yeah. and then everyone realized it, and it went from being a two dollar card to a fifteen dollar card, like within a like this week. 
uh, Blood Fountain. Uh, black for an artifact. When Blood Fountain enters the battlefield, create a blood token. So it's two artifacts for one black mana. This is the other card I was talking about. Four mana, tap it. Uh, return two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Um, you have to sacrifice it. You have to sacrifice it. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Sac- sacrifice it. Three of the blacks, tap, sacrifice it, grab two graveyards. People are already playing this. This is a card that has already cycled in. Just like one mana, get two artifacts into play is like so above rate for what Affinity is trying to do and like Urza decks are trying to do and decks that just like want as many tokens in play as possible want. And its other abilities aren't irrelevant. You get to loot, you get to, you you get to, or you get to rummage, you get to buy your creatures back late game if you just like are grinded out. So, yeah. This card's good. I imagine a deck that I would want to play that's like doing white salvage type effects alongside this. Um, And then that red Reckless Fireweaver card that I like so much Mm -hmm. that each opponent takes one whenever an artifact comes into play. And you could like they'd kill the fire weavers, but then like this would get back this would get back your fire weavers to just recast them, and then like potentially getting these back with some sort of white salvage thing, and like that sort of a deal in my mind seems really sweet. Mm-hmm. I just I I have a feeling, and I've been saying this for a while, but I haven't brought it up in a little while on here. The next time they print Reckless Fire Weaver point like two like the next time that's a thing that happens, and we get another version of that card mm-hmm. that is as, as aggressively costed. That's going to just be a deck. That'll just be a very good way to kill people in modern. Because I've all I play that card a lot in various formats because I already find it to be super fun. Like you've you've played against me and I play that card oh, a bunch I, of times. I literally have a copy of it printed here for this Odric deck to be proxied yeah. into it. <laughs> it's just really good. Like you can just do a lot of damage with that card. Right, 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 for sure. Um, next card is Dreadfuge. Fugue, fugue, Dreadfuge. Black sorcery, target player reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it with mana value two or less. That player discards that card. Or you can cleave two in a black. Target player reveals their hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. That player discards their card. So for one mana, you have a worse Inquisition of Kozilek. For three mana, you have a better Thoughtseize. I mean, it's an interesting card considering modern and the fact that like so many things just cost one anyway one or two right mm-hmm. like this just gets rid of ragavan it mm-hmm. just kills ragavan outright which is pre- a pretty good way to start and then i think this card's probably pretty playable actually now the one argument against it is that in modern when you do cast this card for three mana as like a top deck later in the game they're probably only holding on to that card because it's an instant they'll play in response or like it's a counter spell they were saving and like they just descent you just got rid of their counter spell i guess which is fine sort of it's fine <laughs> i think i think it's a cool card like against luris decks it sucks that it doesn't exile them like if it exiled them i would be all in on this card yeah. the fact that it doesn't exile it i mean we talked about this on last week's episode uh me and nikachu and it was kind of like anything that doesn't exile doesn't matter against luris any like luris is better than that so it's not going to yeah. do enough and that's i think definitely its main issue um, I also think it's just like it's worse than Inquisition of Kozilek, like, and it's worse than Thoughtseize. Right, and those cards are good, and you would just play those cards if you wanted. Do you them, need? And, like, what's do you point? need the twelve of those? Yeah, and that's its big limitation. All right, next card, and this is I think on my list for one of the better cards in the set: Wash Away. For one blue counter target spell that wasn't cast from its owner's hand, or cleave one blue blue counter target spell. One blue counter target cascade target is already like a relevant ability in the format. Yep, it is. indeed. And that like includes collected company stuff. Like there's a lot of different ways in the format where people are casting stuff from not their hand. 
obviously in commander this is counter target commander right for one blue which is like an insane play uh, as well but the fact that it's backup plan is counter every other spell under the sun for three blue it's it's definitely competing with archmage charm as the thing you're playing and maybe as a gr- like a great sideboard option against anything that's playing with cascade spells um yeah and that's probably where i would keep it right like being able for one mana to be like no crashing footfalls does not resolve is like where I mean, you want this the also most. also like it, because of the fact that the front side of this card is going to be as valuable in modern often as like cards that have been played classically in sideboards like ceremonious rejection you know it does feel like the fact that the backup on this card is just cancel it makes this in the decks that it's going to be good in really good right. because the footfalls deck you know like that's trying to go ham on you super fast. It's it's trying to so like if they're on the play, they manage to get get that out super quick on you, and you have this as a response before you can cast a cancel. You're totally happy to have it. But if you don't, and it's a different deck, and you just like are holding this all game, but then you just get to three mana, and just now you have a counter spell. This seems like a pretty good. I don't know how many you guess. I guess I don't really know how many you would play because it depends how valuable the one blue version of this is and how prominent those decks are. But in terms of it's a pretty versatile counterspell. This is, this is a card. I would love to have one in my sideboard sideboard and one in my main deck. Like, well, like hedge my bets and in matchups where it's good bring in both matchups. It's bad. Just cut out the one. And then in the middle, like head, but like all the time, I'll just like maybe have access to it and maybe be able to get like the random, like like Luros trigger card, right? Like, oh, I'm going to lose this turn if they cast that spell. Wash away. Oh, I'm going to lose if they cascade here. Wash away. Well, because I was going to say, too, like anytime I've ever played a deck in modern, what always ends up happening is I get to game two with a blue deck and it's always like, OK, how many counter spells do I have? Because this is a deck that I want counter spells against. But you don't have room in your sideboard to have like tw- six different counter spells. You often have like three of whatever the most targeted counter spell that you think you're going to need that weekend is. So it's. That is usually a card like Ceremonious mm-hmm. Rejection, or sometimes it's like Negate, or sometimes it's like you know Flash Freeze, or, or or Mystical Dispute, or something like that. Like it just it just depends what the what the format's like. So this card's one of those really interesting, really cool ones where as long as the front side of one blue is relevant against enough of the decks you need it against, it's going to be a super helpful card to have because there are going to be decks you don't anticipate, like the control matchup where you're just like, oh, I'm just glad I have more counter spells in my sideboard, right. like. This is just a good thing for me to have. I don't care that it costs three. I just need to have trump cards. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. Uh, Alchemist Gambit. One red, red. Take an extra turn after this one. During that turn, damage can't be prevented. At the beginning of that turn's end step, you lose the game. Exile Alchemist Gambit. Or for Cleave, four blue, blue, red. Uh, take an extra turn after this one. During that turn, damage can't be prevented. Exile it. Uh, you, you do no longer lose the game. Um... So it's three mana. It's three mana. Final Fortune at sorcery speed, or it's seven mana. Time warp, but that also has damage can't be prevented on both ends, right? So like they they can't get yeah. bogged out or Teferi's protection. To, like you are going to damage them. Um, this is obviously really powerful. There's like weird cool stuff you could do with obviously like Enter the Infinite or uh uh what's the um you mean Sundial of the sorry Infinite? So, yeah yeah Sundial of the Infinite and or um can't lose the game for one white. Angel's Grace. Angel's Grace, where like you get to like extra turn them and then keep that keep that going. And like this with Sundial of the Infinite might be enough because like this has a relatively OK fail case scenario of like 
you only cast this on the turn you're going to win anyways if you are able to yeah. cast it or you can get to just the seven cost point in a blue red like a Jeskai control deck and just have one of these and like maybe you get there um am i correct that you can also counter with that creature the zombie creature right you can overcharge the malgram the the act the trigger on the next turn Oh, uh, trade the triggered ability, they'll lose the aim trigger? Yeah, I believe counter so, target yes. spell, activated ability, or triggered ability. So you can also, and there's a few cards like that that are like actually playable. Because I've played in Historica yeah. deck that was playing with like all the different you lose the game effects. You also have Gideon, right? Like this, this card yeah. seems great in that deck, actually. Like I definitely play this card if that deck is viable in the I'm playing with Pax, I'm playing with this, I'm playing with a Sundial, I have Gideon, I have Angel's Grace, well, I have like what's, Yeah, because what's great about it. this one what's great about this one is like if when you top deck this because that deck's you like when i played that deck when i was playing that in historic i was playing a pretty heavy planeswalker build because mm -hmm. it was the best value to be getting out of your extra turns because you're already playing gideon mm -hmm. so this is really good in that deck because you're just the extra turns are just hitting you with land drops so you're just going to draw this when you have seven mana to cast it a lot of the right time. right like, right right and playing this know, is like a one over a two of as an additional like copy of that card which is one of the better cards in the deck yeah i really the the, the one that the other one that goes with it is the end of the turn card, right? It's yes, this and the yes, end of the turn. Glorious, glorious, glorious end. end. And I, I would, that's a sweet deck. I, I always love that deck. All right. Path of Peril. One black, black, destroy all creatures with mana, boss, mana value two or less or cleave four white, black, destroy all creatures. I think this is worth than, worse than Damnation. Like if Damnation didn't get printed, I'd be way more hyped about this card. Or damn, 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 damn. And damn is, and damn's hardly even seeing play. Yep. It's like, you know, which is surprising. Just, <laughs> the white the decks that yeah. are playing white and black don't want to destroy all creatures and there is better removal to kill one creature i'm like so bummed out and some of this is going to change because this is just going to happen over time but i'm like so bummed out that all of these like really fancy foils that i open in my horizons 2 collector booster by and large are just tanked in value i like like opening like etched foil ignoble hierarchy i was like oh that's just a great open and it's like six dollars mm -hmm. or like opening like etched foil sort of sinew and steel i'm like oh this is a great open and it's like nine bucks like damn is like a dollar and a half i'm just like what yep <laughs> like what i mean on one hand it means these yeah. like very playable cards in every format are really inexpensive but on the other hand yeah that i agree um yeah sell when you have them that they're worth a lot of money um we have four more cards left ben don't worry Change of fortune, three and a red. Sorcery, discard your hand, then draw a card for each card you discarded this way. It's a, uh, not Wheel of Fortune. The blue one. Time Twister? No, everyone discards their hand and you draw the cards equal to the little highest converted mana cost. Windfall? Windfall. It's a windfall, but just for you. So you don't have to let your opponent draw cards. It also costs four mana, but it's also modern legal. Yeah, I feel like this card is kind of your style, right? Yeah, I love this card. This card's really dope. I think it's yeah. I think it's worse than the the land version, Valakut Awakening. Not Valakut Awakening. Yeah, Valakut Awakening. There's Valakut Awakening, right? Like I think that card is better than yeah. this. Yeah, that card was like your favorite card from that whole set. It's one of the best cards printed in that set. I mean, still seeing a lot of play. So I think that card is better, but you know, this is also interesting and can do stuff. Yeah. I think this is yeah. yeah better in like maybe more like CDH worlds than than that is, but they're both pretty good. Uh, the fact that you can't there's 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 no cheat on this cost. It does cost you four mana to use it, so it's a little skeptical there. Mm -hmm. Like what you'll be able to do with it the turn that you but but you know it is good though. 
Next is Edgar's Awakening, three black black, and maybe one of the cards I'm most annoyed with with this in the set. Uh, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. When you discard Edgar's Awakening, you may pay a black. When you do, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. <sighs> Couldn't have this just been Madness Reanimate? Maybe make it three mana. Make it three <laughs> mana Madness Reanimate. It's like one of the biggest story spotlight cards in the set. So it's really important. Why can't this be five mana reanimate or madness three mana? Why can't that card exist? Wait, so what's this? What's what's the story moment? He gets killed and then they reanimate him. No, no, he's he has been in like uh uh like a slumber, like for for uh... thousands of years, right? Like he 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 is an he is the first vampire, right? Edgar Edgar Markov is the very first one, I think, in okay. the multiverse. Right, like Edgar Markov is the first vampire. He had a son who was a planeswalker, and all of the other vampires we see are because Soren got thirsty while traveling around. <laughs> I, so Edgar's gonna wake up and find out that Soren's been wrecking people. No, no, no. Like Soren, Edgar's the bad guy. Sor, oh, Soren's the good guy in this combo. He's like he's been keeping the balance. He created Avicen because the vampires were getting too spicy. Olivia was like, "Oh, I want to get spicy. I want to just murder people. What am I going to do? Oh, why don't I marry Soren's dad or grandfather? Mm. I always forget on that line. So I'm going to say Soren's dad. Why don't I marry Soren's dad? And now I'm in charge. Soren can go to you know zendikar for all i care is edgar like sexy older vampire character no he is not sexy he's not have you did you have you he's a card he has a card uh i'll uh yes is he he, he looks all like old and yeah yeah, 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 yeah. he looks yeah. kind of yeah. like uh emperor palpatine yeah okay the bad version <laughs> Does he get to look? Does he get to start looking younger as he like eats people? No, not that we've seen. It's oh, a shame. <laughs> yep. Um, and then what was all the controversy with the like different female characters? There's a blonde, and people are like, who is this? I don't know. No? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Leo, was it in Discord today? No, no, okay. I thought I saw it on Twitter. I, 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 thought, I, thought, I thought I saw people talking about, like, who, who are the blonde characters that were used in the marketing for this set? Oh, 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 it wasn't a controversy. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, uh, they don't have a card. So um, uh, you saw Vorthos Mike posted it, was like, who is this? Why, are, why don't they have yeah. a card? And she is wearing a wedding dress. Uh. So it's like, why is some other blonde lady coming to this wedding in a wedding dress? And then the trailer, which apparently you have not seen, Crimson Vows like animate, like, you know, now they do CGI full on trailers. Yeah, the yeah, full yeah. on trailer is looks like it's their wedding. It's like her and another guy. And it ends up that they're just the appetizer. Like they like think they're getting married. They go there. There's a bunch of vampires there. They get floated on top of this, like, you know, like a, a chocolate fountain. Yeah. Imagine a person sized chocolate fountain. They get put on top of it. And then Olivia rips their throats out on their like wedding day. And she's, oh yeah, it's like brutal. Never, it's really good. I recommend watching the trailer. <laughs> that sounds savage. And then everybody, it's like the scene at the beginning of Blade. They're just all feasting on this guy. Exactly. That shows up and, then, and then she gets married with, uh, to, to, to Edgar. Oh, she's just a human and they just eat her. Yeah, yeah. She thinks it's oh, her wedding day to this guy. And nope, they are, uh, the, they're the cocktail hour appetizer. <laughs> They're the chocolate wow, fountain. He thought, he thought it was his wedding day too. Uh huh. Both of them did. Wow! Can you imagine? No. So that, yeah. It's it's. Uh, <laughs> um, 
last last two cards are the lands death cap glade uh and this is the cycle right so this is the uh slow lands these are the enemy ones when it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more other lands green black i actually think these lands are great i think for modern the biggest problem is one mana and two mana turns are so important but that's a pretty like slow roll as far as value lands for the format like if you're trying to get into modern these are lands you can play in a budget modern deck like these are totally playable the fact that you can come into play untapped after turn two is like you're going to be able to stack your basics and other lands that you have to make it so that this never comes into play tapped and you'll be always happy. So I do really like mm, these. I I want to I want to push back on that. Always is strong, I, but most of the time. If you're playing four of one set, you're still going to get screwed sometimes where you only have one land in hand or you have two of these. You should not keep if one playing, uh, a one land in hand in this. Yeah, but you can if, stack if, it. If so you, like you can. Rarely do you there are going to be rare decks where you need one drop into true drop. If you build, I think you could build a budget deck in modern that plays one of these and maybe two of these. But I don't, if you go past two, I think you're going to find situations where you're like, I would just rather be playing a basic. I don't know if I agree with that, actually. I think you could play like you could play four of these for for the Zendikar double sided lands. And I was going to say, if you, yeah, if you be play. Happy. Yeah. And basics. Yeah. 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 Uh, last card. Voldaren Estate land. Tap it, and get a colorless. colorless. Tap it to pay one life. Add one mana of any color to spend this mana only to cast vampire spells. Five mana, tap it, create a blood token. This ability costs one less to activate for each vampire you control. I think that last ability is not irrelevant. If The fact that this is tap, make a blood token if you have five vampires in play in a, in a format where there are a lot of vampires that like blood tokens seems fine. The fact that this lets you splash and play Mardu vampires or red-white vampires or black white vampires and it's just a like untapped super mana fixer for vampires is the reason this is going to see play and its last ability is just gravy so if there is a vampire yeah. deck i can see the scene play in modern if there isn't a vampire deck Agreed. this won't see play yeah i mean this is just you know we already have cavern of souls and we also already have unclaimed territory so we don't entirely need this really it but you know it uh, is another... i like this more than unclaimed territory the second you can cast other things. The third ability is like A, the first ability lets you cast other creatures. The third ability, though, letting you actually get uh loot like a the the rummage effect. Yeah. Is I think is I think relevant. Yeah, I mean I I definitely think having more of these, but it but having them be like uh creature type specific like this, I think makes sense. Yeah. Right? Like having it be in vampire's land, just like we have the one for elementals that people play primal beyond i think it's called yeah i agree um yeah for sure so. all right that was it that is our set review once again we have been able to pull up full set review in one episode dab nice. dab dab big thank you ben i am glad you're back i hope you're feeling better uh thank you all of our watchers and listeners if you like content like that once again hit that like and subscribe button even if you got that question wrong it's uh, always appreciated if you want come follow us on twitter i'm at kess wiley he's at ben bateman media we are at the m and cast uh thank you corbin hostler for all the work you did this last weekend going over stuff and we're excited to um see you all next week uh we'll be doing a whole breakdown on what happened at magic uh magic the gathering las vegas and uh we'll have some cool guests in the next couple weeks as well and we're super hyped yeah and if you guys were caught wind of any of it because i think it actually happened when i had to start taking time off i can't remember if we announced this on the show or not but i had to cancel the whole entire tour that i was going on that i should be on tour right now for 
unfortunately i had this i had back surgery and i had to do it and it was just there was no getting around it so the whole tour got postponed to june july anybody who was planning on seeing me uh your tickets are good for those shows all the same cities i can't wait y'all be announcing the actual dates of those fairly soon it'll be taking place throughout the summer june july maybe even in august a little bit <laughs> and if you guys haven't already checked it out i have a brand new song that came out one month ago called happiness um it hit me today that other platforms than Spotify, the songs have done pretty well. But um, the way these are all moving, I'm gonna I'm gonna cross forty thousand streams on my original three songs on Spotify. Awesome. In a couple days, nice. I'll have. I'll, yeah, I started in April and I'll hit forty thousand on Spotify, which is uh, with no music background to speak of. I'm pretty happy with that. I was pretty proud of that. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool for anybody who has checked it out, and a number of you have sent me messages saying that you obviously, you know, listened to the podcast and you jumped over there to check it out. I really appreciate those of you that did that. It's, uh, it means a lot to me to support that. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. And uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, oh, I guess check out Battle Bosses. It's now for sale. If you go to the website, guest.co slash battlebosses or battlebosses.com. Uh, and otherwise, thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.